You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics, and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 329. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show is my co-host, Annika Harrison. See ya! Hello! Who, um... Uh, unfortunately, Pontus had to pull out in the last minute. So we're just gonna do this without Pontus's usual segments, unfortunately. So it will be a twishy episode. <laughs> twishy episode. Those of you who are listening, be prepared for a short episode. But sorry if, if my voice sounds a little bit weird. I'm currently in uh, sitting in a hotel room, trying not to wake everyone around me because it's early morning and. You know where I am, right, Annika? Yeah, if I remember correctly, you are in the land of whiskey. In a land of whiskey, exactly. And <laughs> and yeah, you hit the nail on the head because I am currently in Inverness, which is uh, considered the capital of the Highlands, <laughs> uh, the Scottish Highlands. And just this morning with the group that I'm traveling with, we are visiting a distillery. Oh, so <laughs> that's a, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is, in, yeah, yeah. It is indeed. I, I have very fond memories of Scotland. It was such a nice trip. I went there for like my college de- degree. And yeah, I had a very good time. It's like the Highlands are so beautiful and in their own way. Yeah, they are. It's amazing. Yeah, that's right. They are absolutely gorgeous. And um, I have been heard saying that it's probably among the most beautiful places on Earth. Some people might think that it's an exaggeration, but I've seen a couple of places and uh, it's still deep in my heart. So I love to be here, but it's a hell of a lot of work trying to educate people about it. Yeah. Especially when when you don't feel like you're competent enough, because I haven't ever lived here. Uh, I only lived in England but not for for that long anyway. You lived in Brighton, didn't you? Yeah, I lived in Brighton. I lived in York, uh, Birmingham, well, Wolverhampton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that area. Oh, that's cool. So how are you, Annika? I'm good. <laughs> I had, busy, had a busy weekend. In Germany, we have the, what we call the nine euro ticket now. <clears throat> so everything that is not a high speed train can be accessed by nine euro per month now for three months mm. yeah it pretty much fell in the time where we also decided to not have a car <laughs> anymore so um, it's on the one hand it's really good to have very cheap tickets on the other hand the trains are very full now um, and mm-hmm. just to go to my um, granny's birthday took us a while because we had to take a train that was super full with a toddler so <laughs> and covid is still not over so it's a, it's another thing no no that's actually not doesn't exist anymore <laughs> yeah, yeah i know i know it's, this is how people really uh, behave exactly no but but we had a good time and i'm just excited to what else this year has mm-hmm. in the cards for us okay shall we see what this episode has in the cards oh yes i'm so excited for that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's start with um, Trish, which is this week in skeptical history. All right, so the thing that we are celebrating or commemorating this week is uh, something that happened on the 7th of June, 11. 95, so at the end of the 12th century. It's uh, pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And um, it was the sighting of something that is still up to this day considered somewhat of a mystery. And that is 
a fiery spinning ball which um, descended from a dark cloud. And, uh, well, it happened close to the lodgings of uh, the Bishop of uh, Norwich. So it happened in London mm-hmm. 800 years ago. And why it's really interesting is that it's um, somewhat of a detailed account of um, the phenomenon that we now call ball lightning. And um, it's considered something of an atmospheric effect, which is not very well explained up until this day. There have been several attempts and theories as to what it might be and how how it might form. But the interesting thing is that there are still those who question even the existence of uh, ball lightnings. I can only imagine because it was pretty much at the end of the Middle Ages, or in the middle, actually, of the Middle Ages, that they must have been crazy about that if if it really was a ball of light, you know? (laughs) Well, obviously, at the beginning, this phenomenon was considered some kind of an act of the devil, obviously, because it was absolutely frightening. Mm. It was impossible to understand. It looked very, very unusual. So something that you would expect the devil to do. So this account that uh, I just mentioned appeared in um, the Monastic Chronicles, of uh, a person by the name Gervais. And um, he was a monk at the Christchurch Cathedral in Canterbury. Yeah, so the kind of marvellous sign in the sky um, was almost completely forgotten because then um, later scholars um, didn't take into account for a long, long time. So um, the next phenomenon that was explained in somewhat of a detail happened on October 21st, uh, 1638 in Vidicum, in Devon. So Mm -hmm. that is quite a large gap between the two observations. And um, yeah, for a long time, this was not not well known, but um, somehow got into the attention of uh, scholars. They managed to work that out. But uh, since then, there have been a couple of other accounts from other parts of the world um, about this. And um, they tried to make sense of it. And they tried to give explanations as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of them in the Arab world, as I understand, they kind of approached it with a much more naturalistic attitude, Mm -hmm. but um, it's still nothing. So the interesting question remains as to what these are. And, um, well, there are several theories, as I mentioned, but none of the theories have confirmed yet uh, to be correct, because... Well, this is this is why um, a lot of skeptics just uh, dismiss the phenomenon offhand and dismiss all these um, observations because they say they they are so rare that nobody can actually prove that they exist for real, that they are not just a um, result of um, an overimaginative mind uh, that <laughs> that was present at the moment. So um, it's an issue. It's a problem. It's an interesting scientific question. It's the kind of mystery that makes you feel excited for a phenomenon. Yeah. But it's difficult to scientifically examine because if they exist, then the way they work is they appear out of nowhere, apparently, not even necessary for them to be surrounded by actual lightning bolts Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then they disappear as they appeared 
So just... I've got a very skeptical explanation. Maybe they're fairies. <laughs> fairies, yeah. <laughs> But the fun thing is that um, even though skeptics have been discussing this and even dismissing the idea, mm. in popular culture, a lot of people take them for real. And uh, I remember when I was a kid, my grandma would always say that I should close the windows when there's a thunderstorm because the ball lightning can cu could could come in and do do some damage. Yeah, my my grandma actually says that too. Okay. So <laughs> it's it's still there. <laughs> so it is it is there, yeah. It's it's like yeah, still not debunked. <laughs> yeah. So why I I wanted to mention this is because this was the earliest account mm. of the thing in the English speaking world. So uh 7th of June 1195 is when this was scene amazing yeah and i think what also will be absolutely amazing yeah will be the news i'll tell you okay <laughs> go ahead <laughs> yeah it's amazing in a bad sense um sorry if i if i made you too excited mm. um because there was a court case about useless bioskin tools and the people who sold that And they have to go into jail for two, respectively, three years because they committed fraud and have to pay about 2.5 million euro back as a fine. Because they um, sold absolutely useless bioscan um, tools or like bioscan data measure thing <laughs> that is nourishing nothing. And they, they told practices that this bioscan machine could give you data about your blood and nutrition in your, in your blood and you wouldn't need um, any lab work done. Okay, that's, that sounds fishy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it will give you about 200 different medical important dates, like your cholesterol level, your testosterone level, iron level and so on. And of course, like as you already said, if, if something sounds too good, it's usually fishy. <laughs> so what's up the method of uh, examination there? Well, they give you two metal pieces that you have to put into your hand and then magnetic waves okay. would go through your body and give you all of these different 200 medical important dates. Um, and, and <coughs> Bullshit. Yeah, <coughs> exactly. <laughs> and this actually, like this, the court actually did do diligence to this tool mm -hmm. they had several experts there and they all said no this is measuring nothing this is measuring like pretty much the electricity that is going through the cable <laughs> mm -hmm. and that's it like it's not measuring anything of uh, like value and the problem is they already sold several of that they made six million euro of benefit <laughs> of that And they're still getting sold, these bullshit things. Mm. And and although they already were, like, criticized, they still continued selling it. So, yeah. <laughs> well, profit is profit. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, even from an empathic or altruistic side, it's so bad It's mm -hmm. to, to let people believe that, that this thing actually works. Yeah. Um, what I have to applaud, though, is that journalists of the Bayerische Rundfunk, which is the Bavarian Broadcasting Network, mm -hmm. they actually found that out. They noticed the fraud and 
that's actually a good thing <laughs> that shows how important free journalism is, which is something you can probably also talk a lot about, right, Andres? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's it's important for all of us that they can go in deep yeah. when they, they start finding out about stuff, they start investigating stuff. Yeah. They need to go in deep. And this is what happens when you do that. Exactly. You find out that something doesn't actually work and you have to do something about that. And uh, as a journalist, the most important thing that you can do is report. Exactly. Report, report, report. Mm -hmm. Every kind of abuse, every kind of uh, mischief. Yeah. Yeah. I applaud that. Yeah. They, they should get a really right. Yeah, exactly. I was like, could almost be something for a really right thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but that also shows how important it is to actually pay um, journalists well, for example, so that they can keep on doing this important um, work and keep them independent. Yeah, the question remains always how to do that, how to keep them independent yes. and get paid well as, at the same time. Because if you want to, want to be independent, uh, the only thing that you can do is um, get funded f from crowdfunding. But um, if there is one entity behind you that finances your activities uh, that's not really independence is it no no <laughs> so it's i know it's a difficult it decision to make it's difficult to keep it keep it up but uh, somehow we need to find out so we, we need a lot of people who like proper reporting proper journalism and journalism done the right way to support those that that provide that exactly yeah yeah so that's that's why we're still um, doing what we're doing I think because there are still things to be done in this world <laughs> yeah and, and uh, we can there will be we can only applaud people that are more in the front than than us like like these journalists for mm -hmm. example <laughs> yeah, yeah all right okay so yeah. thank you very much for that thank Anika. you <laughs> and I think that basically concludes today's show yes unfortunately. <laughs> So without Pontus, we cannot do much more than that since uh, we prepare for something else. Never mind. I hope to have Pontus back for next week. That he gets everything sorted. But before we go, do you have a quote? Yes, I want to hit you with a quote. <laughs> Ooh, slap me with one. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> quote slap! This quote comes from Plato, um, born... 428 and died 348 both bc so both before christ emergence and the quote is about i interpreted it as being afraid of reason but um you will see what i mean mm -hmm. and the quote is we can easily forgive a child who is afraid of the dark the real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light Ooh, <laughs> bit poetic <laughs> it is it's really cool Yeah, well, <laughs> a lot of them are out there. Yes, <laughs> shady men. <laughs> yeah, as we just said earlier, we need information. We need people who can convey the information. Yeah, who bring light into situations, exactly. <laughs> And we need the people who, who challenge the darkness. Yeah, we need the Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think this has been all for today. That's it. Yeah. And thank you very much, Annika, for joining me today. Thank you. Many, many thanks to our listeners for bearing with us, uh, for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Bis
This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments, or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Shrub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe